0: I have like kind of categorized my work in terms of like what I do to make a living and what I do for myself and the kind of work that I've been putting up is kind of self-directed. And if I make nothing out of it, I'm okay with that because then that means that like, I'm not doing it for a particular audience, even though an audience is very much like part of the process, like me having a conversation, even if I never hear the other side.
1: Hey, welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast, brought to you by CloudSpot, the easiest way to deliver and sell your photos online. Hey, I am your host, Raymond Hatfield, and each week I interview one of the world's most interesting photographers to learn what it really takes to capture beautiful images and compelling stories so that you can start to do the same. In today's interview, we are chatting with fine art photographer Melanie Asaka. Now, Melanie's message, I think, is going to resonate with you and just so many today because... We, at least here in America, we live in this world that is so focused on productivity or side hustles and making money that Melanie's purely creative approach is super refreshing to to hear about. On top of the fact that she's very knowledgeable about photography, the history of photography, and has created some really, really interesting images. It is just it's great. Um, and of course, she has the courage to try something new. That's a big thing. So even though deep down I know that, at least I think that, we all know what we should do when it comes to making a decision, Melanie just seems to be much better at listening to the answers from within. So with that, let's go ahead and get on into today's interview with Melanie Osaka. Melanie, I know that, you know, one of the things that I got excited for when I first saw your work um, was just how I think different it was and not different in a way that is um, uh, like, whoa, this is really far out there, but different in a way that I could feel something, I think, from your photographs. And I think that we are living in this world now where people are just so excited to share all of their photographs to where sometimes they feel like they don't have a lot of meaning and yours do I t- to me they speak to me which is really exciting before you got to this point I'm sure that you didn't just wake up one morning and you were fantastic with a camera you were ready to go aces so I want to know Melanie how did photography start for you
0: and so thank you so much for the way that you just like spoke of all my work it really does mean a lot when Especially coming um being in academia and like making work and being like very theoretical about things. But then when you're like in the outside world, don't know whether it's just all in your head. So I love that. Um so I started first I did my degree in graphic design and that's like my friend
1: behind. Hi. No worries. Um,
0: no worries. Um so I started a degree, um, in graphic design. And once I graduated, I was very much interested in making books and like very, I was very analog. So I was like making prints and I was always really interested in having like um, tr- using traditional methods of image making. And then I got into photography more for a documentation, documentary point. Um, point of view so it was just kind of like I've always had a camera since I've since I was young but it was always kind of just documenting families and just documenting uh, moments in time so that I could recall if either I was going to sketch it or draw or paint so I was always using it as a form of uh, document it was it was never the final piece Mm -hmm. it was like just part of my process of making images or making work And then as I got interested in actual cameras and how cameras worked and how it's so weird because I've like always been around cameras, but once you start really understanding the mechanics, uh, like how it's put together and how it functions, it becomes like really interesting or it became very interesting to me. And I became obsessed with like learning as much of photography as possible. And so then, one of my first jobs, once I graduated from uni um, from uni, during my undergrad, was go, uh, working in Snappy Snaps, which is a um, photo, uh, the photography shop. So we mostly like do print on demand, so like do photo shoots with families, and you kind of mm-hmm. have everything from printing stationaries to doing like business. Um, stuff business cards or like taking photos for fashion shoots and stuff so it's kind of like just a lot of different aspects of photography um and then I decided to do my master's but I didn't know um throughout the year I was interested in always doing my master's and then going on to do a PhD but I didn't know what subject I wanted to do it in and I actually went to the RCA for the interview um actually for the opening thinking I was going to go into print And then decided to just go to the photography talk because I started assisting other photographers at that time as well. And everyone just kept saying photography is better, photography is better. Or in terms of like it's more challenging or it's more theoretical. And there's a lot of conversations around image making more so than the actual like craft of making images And I thought Hmm. I was okay with the craft of making images in terms of like the processes, but I wanted to know why people made images and why we continue to grapple with and share images. Um, Yeah. So then I went to the RCA, went to actually talk to a print and everything, and then ended up applying for photography. I got into photography, which is, I think is like a surprise for a lot of people like, oh, you should go for print because it might be easier to get into because of the fact that like the work that I had was very print orientated. Um, yeah. So that's basically how I got into
1: photography. <laughs> <laughs> why do you think as a kid, you know, you said that you pretty much had a camera your whole life growing up. Why do you think like, why, why did you not pursue uh, photography, but instead graphic design?
0: Um, So I've always been interested in art and I I didn't understand photography because I didn't know the, the history of photography. And I also didn't appreciate the history of photography because I just thought you take a picture and you've got it. And that's going from film to kind of early SLR cameras, like the really digital ones. And I was always that person who had a camera with me. Uh, to like document more so because I had a terrible memory. I mean, I've got a good memory, but like I don't like writing, and it was a really easy way of like documenting things yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, um I'm also dyslexic, but I didn't know at the time, so that's probably why I had a camera with me all the time and I also didn't appreciate photography in the way that it was taught in school, so I studied in secondary school, I studied. Uh, fine arts and then I also studied um, product design because I went to a technology school so we ended up like being able to do a lot of arts so I had quite a lot of like arts GCSEs when I graduated or uh, well, like when I finished and then I went into do art and design and then also graphic design in my A level, in my A-levels and then I, during that time I found out that we could do a foundation but even before that I didn't know that a foundation existed so when mm. I actually went to apply for degrees and I actually got into all the ones that I did but then a lot of my friends were going to do foundation and I just kind of wanted to explore more about what foundation and also was free so it was like oh wow well, maybe I should just take a year and just kind of explore the all the different types of arts. Um yeah, and then even through that I was like kind of dabbling with photography because even then foundation we did like a week of uh, photography and we actually went into the dark room and I love being in the dark room. But yeah, it was always like I think I I went into graphic design because I enjoyed being given a brief. I like being told like what kind of work to make, otherwise I wouldn't really make anything. Mm. Or and there was always a deadlines, and I enjoyed being given a deadline and a structure. And um, whereas I felt like within fine arts or like within other um, arts, there weren't, you could, it was kind of open-ended and you keep, you could keep going. Um, and if I could keep going, I probably wouldn't make anything. If, yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah I'll absolutely. just
0: be thinking about what I could possibly make
1: oh, that is so funny. i feel I feel such a similar way. Um, I was listening to another podcast recently that was basically saying, like the more constraints that you can give yourself, the more creative you can be. And I think that you know, the majority of l- listeners are those who are new to photography, and we kind of get this idea, you know, when we pick up that camera for the first time of like, I'm just gonna document everything, and then we ultimately, I I think just maybe we just don't have a sense of direction and and just nothing gets documented but it's not until you're told you know with uh th- there's tons of sites that do like photography assignments right photograph things that are yeah. red photograph things yeah. um you know uh, shadows and it's like once we have those creative constraints um the work that we can produce is is a whole lot more powerful so that's great to hear that uh, that you're like that as well i didn't know if maybe i was the only person uh i I want to know though so what was it about so you went for graphic design, right? And then you switched to to pursue your masters in photography. Was there a moment in between there that m- maybe a certain photo stood out to you, or you took a certain photo, or what was it that made that made you change your mind?
0: I don't actually think I changed my mind. It was because of the fact that like the degree in graphic design that we did, uh, that I did, um, we shared a studio with um, illustration. And so, our course was very open, and we went. I did everything from creating the content to actually making the product. So, um, for example, I made a lot of books. So I actually book um, got the content. which like if it was a photo, um, if it was a project about, let's say, Brighton, I went around. To, I went to school in Brighton. So, um, so. We would go around collecting all the content, making all the content, and then also going into a bookbinding in studio and actually sewing together the book. Or like if I work into um, if I was doing print or like screen printing, I'll create the imagery, whether it was a photograph or it was a actual illustration that I created and then like make things out of it. So I was always interested in image making. So I still don't really things that I've switched more so I've like kind of honed in on like what I'm interested in at the moment and I feel a lot of times graphic design to other people to a lot of people is very much about like making logos and or like um or like creating catalogs and it is but also there's so much to it and so much aspects to it that I feel feel like I've just gone a little bit more niche in my interest and that's what like and I kind of had to do that because of the fact that I was saying that like I was very much interested in cameras and how cameras worked and like one of my like one of the projects that I did when I was doing graphic design was I basically walked around a lot of times in, in Brighton people leave out their printers whether they got a new one so the printer still works or like something broken with it so i was like going around picking all of people's like printers and then taking it apart and creating a drawing machine out of it and i was like basically like a cnc machine um yeah so that was like a project that i did for fun but then also something that i ended up doing like like a self-directed project but it was like within the uh within graphic design or at least the graphic design that I was studying, we could do that and that was mm-hmm. fine. And it wasn't just about like designing logos and branding. It was kind of, yeah, it was very much about like being given a brief and like being given a constraint about um, creating. I don't even remember what that project was called, but it was like something like going outside and documenting typefaces and like recording typefaces. Now, once you like just looking at typefaces, you end up like you can end up making anything so i ended up um so another project I'll make like three d um sculptures of fonts that I've seen outside um wow, yeah, so kind of coming from that, like my work was very much like image driven, and I was very much also interested in um type and fonts because of the fact that like I mean, at that point, I didn't really know because I ended up like later being diagnosed as being um, dyslexic. But I always like thought of um, like text in a very image-based. Like whenever I'm trying to recall how to spell something, I'm trying to remember what it looks like and the shape of it more so than the actual characters that I make here. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. So, so when it comes to the photography side of things, uh, so I'm not. I come from more of, I guess, uh, um, uh, graphic design, I don't think has really played a a big part in my life um, as much as just holding the camera and being able to, I guess, create something in front of me simply with that tool. So coming from the graphic design side and falling in love with cameras and how to produce an image, what are the biggest similarities? Like what connects the two for you uh, with, with such excitement? Does that question make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. I just think that I think of it as one in the same because within graphic design, when it was about being given like a um, being given a a task to do and carrying it out and trying to figure out how to how the best way to create that. So I'm thinking of like if you have like a um, I feel like. I realized that within graphic design, photography was my starting point, and I wanted to learn more about the starting point more so than the finish um mm. packaged goods and I wanted to spend more time learning about the kind of history and like kind of given photography it's um It's not like it's due, but I was very dismissive about photography as I grew up because it was something that was easily accessible. And I think even now it's very much accessible, even more so. But learning about the kind of foundations and like the basics of photography made me really want to learn more about it. And it as its own entity and not as a byproduct of trying to make something else. If that makes sense. So like, yeah, I think for me, yeah, photography is kind of like a starting point for me to do any type of like graphic based work, even though I've like moved away from that a little bit.
1: I see from a, um, education standpoint, what's been the hardest part technically for you to learn about photography? Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step and the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos.
0: Um, I'm not too sure. I think... The, the I'm still learning about like the other photographers and like other genres and um I wouldn't say it's difficult, but I think there are like almost gatekeepers as to how much information you get. And I felt like I probably had to go to the RCA or like go to an institution to be able to learn more or get like more information because I couldn't just get that off of the internet. Hmm. Um or get something out of like um and actually you know I want to change my answer. so I think it's more <laughs> about like the kind of um the hardest part of photography or like within the art is like the being able to kind of categorize my work is really hard or not hard for me, but like hard for others to understand what I do. Even though I'm like making it, if that makes sense.
1: Why do you think yeah. that's important?
0: It's important because when people have like group shows or like um when even though we like to say that we don't like to um pigeonhole people or like we don't like we shouldn't categorize people's works, we do. And so therefore if you're doing anything within photography that is almost outside of kind of maybe like straight photography or like in terms of like, portrait, like actual portraits or um, or landscape or the kind of big names, a lot of people don't know where to put you. Hmm. And so trying to find those spaces that you could coexist, I could coexist, it has been difficult. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I got to say, I think looking through your work, I never, I never tried. I don't know. Maybe I just never, I never tried to categorize it. I just like, it felt so, um, maybe not fresh, but so, because the, the techniques that you're using, they're not traditional techniques, but they're not, I, I don't think new. Maybe you can correct me on that, but it definitely doesn't, um, I guess the, 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 the type of photography to me felt, um, I don't want to say unique, unique sounds too, too vague, um, personal. And to me, it still feels like portraits. It still feels like it's, it's you and it's very humanizing. Um, so I'm like, that kind of makes me a little bit sad that others have a hard time, uh, defining, or I guess figuring out where to put your work. Do you think that that's changed how you capture something?
0: No, (laughs) Um, um, I think I have, like, I have, have, like, kind of categorized my work in terms of, like, what I do to make a living and what I do for myself and the kind of work that I've been putting up is kind of self-directed and if I make nothing out of it, I'm okay with that because then that means that, like, I'm not doing it for a particular audience even though an audience is very much like part of the process like me having a conversation even if I never hear the other side Mm. um but what I meant earlier was the like I've spoken to a few like gallerists and been even asked at one point if I had any actual portraits after showing and kind of going through like my process and like talking about the but those are the kind of maybe not like on a one-to-one scale, but as but for art as an institution
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to be able to like find representation,
1: hmm. it becomes
0: a little bit difficult. But I also don't mind humor yeah. because of the fact that I've purposely continued to make work like this, knowing that it can create some type of
1: barrier. I love how you uh, have giving yourself the permission to, uh, have two different sides of yourself, I guess one to make work, uh, maybe that's a little more commercially viable, I suppose. And then one just for yourself. Um, but I quickly did a a Google search for, to define the word portrait and it is a photo. It's a painting, a drawing, a photograph, or an engraving of a person.
0: Yeah. That's what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. still put
0: it in a portraiture like category mm-hmm. because of the fact that like that was the starting point was I very much like photographing people and I am very much interested in the uh, like in the archive and especially like as a black woman and like a black person, knowing that like within my own family not being able to see what like my grandparents look like, even though like I might have like a few pictures but like For example, my mom's side of the family, there was a flood. So a lot of pictures were damaged. Hmm. So I probably have like one picture of my grandmother. And then the rest is kind of from memory of the child. So from that, like, so from as long as I can remember, I've always like photographed my family and friends. And because I walk a lot. I'm very much interested in, like, South but I spend, like, hours walking, if I can, and just documenting strangers and having conversations with people. So I've always been interested in portraiture, and then once, like, lockdown happened, I had no choice but to, like, photograph myself. Yes. And also I wanted to photograph myself because you kind of start looking back on the images, at these I. I start looking back on the images that I've taken and realize that oh, I'm not in this picture because I'm the one behind the camera. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And
0: then just like that keeps happening.
1: I know that a lot of people uh, are hesitant about being in front of the camera themselves, mm-hmm. you know. But it is really important to you. Can you break down the the why of yourself? Like why Okay. So obviously, hold on. So uh, lockdown happens, right? You kind of have to take photos of yourself, but has that, was that always something inside of you that, that, that you wanted to capture yourself and how has that changed now that things are starting to ease up and and get a little easier so that you can get out on the street and talk to strangers again?
0: Um, yeah, I always wanted to photograph myself, but I never knew how to, I didn't know what to do (laughs) in terms of you set up a camera. And if I'm, like, if my friends are taking pictures of me, that's fine because, it's like, that moment and it's that, like, I am not hyper aware of the implications of a camera, right? Like, what happened? Um, yeah. But then if when I was alone and I was, like, okay, one day I'm actually going to just pick up the camera, set up, and then just take a picture of me. And then I was just thinking, what do I want to remember of this moment that – and there isn't really anything that is so significant for me when I was making those images in my house um but then like I said like I've always i always wanted to be able to like just take pictures of myself and just looking at artists like Zanella, Zanella Mahole and like um who else I can't think of anyone else but just like thinking about like or even just painters who like painted themselves. And I've always been fascinated with that. And I always wanted to be able to do that. But I'm also very bored with what I look like at this moment, even though I know that it's not for me for this moment, but like it's for later. I'm also like, I also want the challenge of making images and something that keeps me engaged through that process. And just setting up a camera and shooting wasn't that, interesting to me
1: mm-hmm.
0: because i was still my audience and mm-hmm. i'm still my audience in the sense that like even like the work that is being shown now is because of the fact that like i've had to like make it public in the sense of like the other works that I've, I've made in the past i've never had to make them public if that makes sense
1: uh-huh no i'm trying to think because i I think I said this earlier. I just I, I love the way that you think about these things in 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 a different sense, I suppose, than than at least myself and I believe many other uh, photographers do. And I don't know if it's it's that it's that, uh, you know, where, where where are these ideas coming from? Are they coming from just is this who you are as a person? Are they coming from uh, the questions that you get from? you know, attending a higher level of education, um, because I think that these are really important questions, but the majority of us aren't asking them. And again, I just find that really fascinating. So I apologize for taking a moment there and thinking to myself about that, because uh, I feel like if more people could ask those questions, then photographs would be more meaningful and they'd be more impactful. You know, a lot of it is, is self-realization and, um, figuring out, I think the story that you want to tell as a photographer, that's something that I try to try to talk about a lot. What's the story that you want to tell? You know, when somebody asks, you know, what do you think about this photo? Well, what's the story that you're trying to tell here? You know, like you tell me because that's going to give me context as far as how we can talk about this photo. Um, but let, let, let's get back to self portraits here because you mentioned, you know, taking out a camera, pointing it at your face, kind of boring, you know, and but I think that's what people naturally think of, but you take it a few steps further, right? With maybe some non-traditional uh methods with cyanotypes, photograms, which I didn't even know what a photogram was until I saw some of your work. What it, how are these tools helping you to tell your story? are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com. And as a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar.
0: um so like I said earlier like I'm very interested in the history of photography and I whenever I get into something I become very obsessive right so therefore I was not even just thinking about I was including like taking portraits of myself I was also thinking of the ways that um portraits have been taken in the past and then also like the history of photography and it's also like this idea of like legitimizing photography as as an art in itself but then also how photography has been also been used as a way of truth telling like for example if I sit in front of a camera and smile that means I'm a very smiley person who's like happy and if that's all people ever see of me that becomes who I am and or if I'm sad, then so forth, right? So we create images of representation through like repetition. And I didn't, I think maybe I like, I did a cop-out where I was like, I don't know what expression I want to have at this moment. And so I will think about what makes me me. Like, for example, with the photograms or the... Um, cyanotypes once you get really close to them you can see my fingerprints and you can see like my hair structure and you can see other parts of me that isn't the first thing you'll notice in a picture and I felt that like me actually lying and being in contact with the material was more Representative of me at that moment because of the fact that like when I'm working on the paper or like I'm in complete darkness, I'm just kind of free to play and do whatever. So when you do see the the work in real life, you can actually see like that my imprint, and you might not be able to know like the mood at that moment, but you can actually because of like how much contact and how much like the papers felt more so than me and I was also very much interested in like the history of like black women within history and like image making in that sense and like the and wanting to be able to capture but then also finding it to be a very problematic tool and I think too much so (laughs) I'm just lying around in my bedroom just thinking and reading and just like trying to like I enjoy reading and like um also got to a point where I just wanted to read a lot more like African history and like African like literature and all of those things are kind of like just running through my head while I'm like taking apart cameras and putting them back together and then I was like oh wait I could just like turn my room into a bit um into a camera and have like all the stuff that is around me become part of the process and like the document the documentation of me at that moment and it wasn't really about like and because the work requires i can make it but then i'll I'll, like for the for example the photogram because they're so big i have to like roll it up and then put it in the dark space so i never get to see it until i was able to to like process it and that could take weeks to process it so therefore like i was making images i couldn't see and so i was like able to just like kind of be free to experiment and to like, oh, well, it's possible like there's nothing on it or like I can't wait to see what happens when I put it through the, um, when I process it or like put it's like the RA4 machine. So it's a color processing machine um, that I work with, but that was in the university. So uh, because of COVID, we were in like two weeks on, two weeks off So I'll be making work and then taking it in like a week later. And then I get to see what I've done and then going back to my bedroom and taping it all out because I've already like turned that into a camera and I've even like dismantled my bed. (laughs) So like, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm like all over the place.
1: What was that like when you forgot that first uh, was it a sienotype at first or was it a a, a, a mm-hmm. photogram first?
0: The photogram. It was a photogram first and I really disliked it.
1: Really the first I one that, that really, was
0: yeah, developed. The first one I really like. Yeah.
1: Why? What was it about um, it? What was it a technical issue or was it you wish that opposing issue or something?
0: It was more because it was more like sexual than I thought it would be in terms of like it showed my figure and Mm -hmm. but then it was also it wasn't what I thought it would be even though I knew that that was what I was going to get but it was a little bit more than I wanted to show off myself and so therefore I felt like I was uncomfortable with the image and what it might say or how it could be read.
1: So did that mean you went back to the drawing board or did you already have more cue up more. to develop okay
0: <laughs> yeah i had more to queue up and then also i was very much interested in why i was made uncomfortable with the image and i think that like being uncomfortable is a very interesting place to be in terms of like making images and like represent and like making images of oneself and portraiture and disliking or liking but also that in between of not knowing why. And I wanted to investigate that in terms of like myself and being able to live with the image more so like there were elements that I enjoyed and I wanted to recreate. And then there's elements that I was like, Oh no, this is terrible. This is awful. And also like I cut, like I was making all of this in the dark. So nothing is straight. And that drove me crazy. Um, <laughs> Especially as a graphic designer, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And yeah.
1: <laughs> so what conclusion did you come to about feeling uncomfortable about the photo?
0: I think it was like a, my issue thing that like, I'm still getting over, but I'm, I'm still trying to like grapple with it. But I think I'm interested in the images that I'm making.
1: Mm.
0: And I think I'm more interested in the images and the questions than more so my comfortability with it. Mm. And I guess like, Yeah. And I'm still trying to like understand that in terms of like the idea of even like a portraiture, like why you don't like a picture of yourself or like, how do you see yourself? And when you're confronted with a picture of yourself, how that makes you have to confront these notions of yourself that you might have. And and this could be very superficial or psychological,
1: yeah, I think that's a conversation for maybe another podcast. <laughs> <This one. laughs> no, 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 I I appreciate that. I, I appreciate you opening up and uh being honest. Uh because I think many people feel uncomfortable with looking at photos of themselves. So putting yourself into a vulnerable situation uh and then having to uh you know self um uh, self-discuss, I suppose, why you feel uncomfortable with it is uh that's a big thing. That's a big thing. So with the photos that you had got. Uh so I guess let me ask more of a technical question. Um so mm-hmm. anybody who's listening, obviously, I'm gonna try to put some of your photos in the show notes of this episode as well as links to where they can find you so that they can see what it is that we're talking about because again, it is it's it's more non-traditional, right? So um when it comes to these photos, um say with the the Sienna types, you had eight, ten different photos. How, like how how many have you taken? And then I guess what did you do them all at once? Or is this kind of an ongoing thing that you can set up in an hour and take a photo and then come back at it next week how how does that work
0: oh yeah so it's ongoing and it was also the fact that i was doing this through lockdown so different processes different stages i would have to make an image and it it takes so long to take a photograph of yourself especially when with the cyanotype i was trying to create a collage of myself um so they're both on me like and so like I um I expose the and make the photographs at home and then I took it to, and then I'll take it to university and then use the studios to photo, photograph myself behind it and um and sometimes it'll just take me it'll take me a whole day like about eight hours to make one picture
1: wow that's yeah. not exposure and time. That's, that's like
0: from setting everything no. up to okay. Oh yeah, no. So like I've got to a point where to set up taking about like 20 minutes. I've got like my setup on point. <laughs> it's the um the slight the minor adjustments because I'm shooting, I'm photographing myself. So and half the time I'm also need to like make sure that I'm positioning myself in the right place. And I don't have a mirror, so I'm just, like, taking a picture of me if i then trying to remember, like, the position that I need to be. And then also making sure that I am perfectly or, yeah, I'm perfectly aligned. Although, like, now I'm starting to think that maybe I don't need to be aligned anymore. But um, (laughs) at the beginning, it was very much, like, trying to get a perfect like silhouette or like a perfect um alignment of myself or like of my multiple selves at that moment so yeah it would basically take me <laughs> a day and then i'll go downstairs to like where all the technicians are and they'll ask like how is it going and i'm like oh no i've only made like one picture uh,
1: yeah. i have a few technical questions about the Sienotype because yes. you're not using like a traditional camera are you you as far as i could tell from reading on your uh instagram you're laying physically on photosensitive paper is that right
0: um actually so with the cyanotype i'm actually lying on paper or i've coated the um paper i've po- coated the paper or fabric i started working with fabric later on as i needed to go really big otherwise before i was like just seeing how much paper I had around the house and then just sticking it together. But then later when I started working with fabric because I had quite a lot of like fabric um, at home. So I'm working with calico, which is like a uncoated um, cotton fabric. Um, and then I coat it with, I always forget its name. It's like potassium, phyrosinide and something else. So it's like basically these two chemicals of, um, one's like UV sensitive and then the other gives you the the blue or the cyan mm-hmm. color um and then um basically uh, rolling that out in my garden and then just lying on it for an like 20 to an hour like 20 minutes to an hour depending on how much UV is in the air so normally you want um, when um, you're doing, you kind of need to be like in sunlight, like a lot of sunlight, but also just like a lot of sunlight doesn't equate the amount of UV light in the air. So, sure. um, so it's just basically like me lying there for a long period of time. And so that means like every time I move, um, it gets recorded to an extent. So there's how still I am.
1: Sure. As, as, as you would imagine with having such a long exposure. So, so there's no, there's no box that is capturing an image. It is simply photosensitive cotton. You're laying on it. And then how does, how does it get developed? I guess, is that the right term? Or when you stand up, is it 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 done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. How does yeah, that work? So when you
0: stand up, it's still, <laughs> when you stand up, it's still, as long as it's in UV light, it's still developing. And so then to um develop it, you have to fix, well, to fix it, you need to like wash it. So you just basically wash it with water. And once you start washing it, you end up like getting a different color. So when, um when you first coat it, it's a kind of like lime green color. Once it's, um, like processed enough it becomes like a um like a brownish color and then when you um fix it like wash it it turns into that cyan blue color and then also depending on the type of chemical like chemistry you use you can get like a richer like kind of navy blue blue or like a kind of sky blue or like a sunny sky blue tone, yeah. Um, but yeah, and if you don't wash it long and like enough, and you still have this um, cyanotype on it, it can continue to develop. So it's, wow. yeah. So, it's
1: a, I'm sorry. Go on. No, I got no, decided.
0: no. I, it's fine.
1: You, you had mentioned earlier about putting yourself in your room and like making it, turning it into a dark room. Was that was that to develop, or was that for a, a different photo process?
0: So that was for the photograms, because the photograms I was doing, I was, um, the photograms, I was working with um, photographic paper. So like color photographic paper. And then I was, I basically had like a torch in um, larger, like multiple ways of making, using, um, having light. So I had to, basically, because it's color photographic paper, you have to be in pitch black. Otherwise, any type of light is very sensitive to light, so any source of light will um will expose the paper um and then so with that, I basically spent a lot of time like blocking out my room so that it basically became like a black box mm-hmm. and then in that in that moment i take um i make the exposure and then roll it up roll the paper up and then put it back into like a black um into a black bag into a black bag and then wait for wait for me to like go to university to process it and so that means like um um once it's it's exposed and it's in a black bag it can't be exposed to light otherwise it'll it'll basically fog the paper right Mm -hmm. so i'll basically like go from one side of london to the other hoping (laughs) that nothing is like being exposed or like there's no tear in the bag or like in the box and doing that multiple times throughout the year just like carrying boxes around with me
1: yeah Um, I would imagine especially when it takes sorry sorry go on
0: no I was just going to say the end the possibility of there being nothing in it but right um yeah
1: I would imagine uh, that fear is uh, is especially when it takes all day, you know, potentially to make a photograph, to have it potentially ruined by, I don't know, a bad zipper on your bag uh, has got to be absolutely terrifying. Uh, I wanted yeah. to ask a question about exposure time when laying outside. You said sometimes it's between 20 minutes to an hour. How, how do you know? How do you calculate that?
0: Well, it was more because of, I set so I started to kind of, because I was making it a lot, I know what kind of conditions that I want. So like, normally I want there to be a diffuse light because I want the shape to be a little bit not, I don't want the lines to be ascript. And then also the fact that like, if there is a lot of hard, hard shadows, it's going to show on the, on the, on the, Cyanotype as well. Mm-hmm. Or like even the photograms as well. Well, cyanotype and cyanotype is a type of um photogram because it's also like a contact print. Mm. So um yeah, I was always like I knew that because if I freshly made it like the batch, and I'll basically make like uh, five liters of it or something, and um I'd make about three or four in a like in at night. And then in the morning, um, later put that out in the garden and then lie on it. And then depending on the weather, if I get too cold, I'm just like, I've I've tapped out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I get what I get. And sometimes it's not enough time. Sometimes it is. But like normally about 30 minutes is good. Um, Sometimes I could even do it in 10 minutes if the weather was actually like if it was in the summer.
1: Wow. Um, this is so crazy. This is so like, you know, I feel like we've gotten to this place today where photography is such a science, you know, like it is down, like it's measured in the, you know, down to an eight thousandth of a second, you know, you can have, uh, have an exposure time. And there's still this world that like, I think that a lot of us forget that we lived in for the past, 100 years where it's like photography was more of a feeling and, and there was a lot more, uh, flexibility, I suppose, in, in it. And it wasn't as much of a science. And it's, yeah. it's, I think when you're able to get those happy accidents, maybe like when it all works out, it feels like, well, this is just magic. <laughs> like this is yeah. amazing <laughs> that everything worked out. That is so cool. Yeah. I'm interested in your, uh, creative process as far as, um, This is a new question that I'm asking everybody this year, and that is when you are exploring something new creatively, is it easier for you to get, um, quote unquote, the shot, you know, that that you have in your head that you want? Is it easier for you to get that that shot when you're free to take a thousand photos or when you're limited to just being able to take one image? Uh,
0: Just one. I like being very um exact because I don't like going through a thousand images (laughs) oh I don't like going if I just need one picture I want to just take one maybe two and compare but Mm -hmm. um yeah I and I also find that once I get an image that was close to my original idea what, and I want to kind of perfect it. The perfective one isn't as interesting as the first or the fifth one that I took. Mm-hmm. Like, the longer it takes me to make it and, like, kind of make it better, I start to lose interest in that image. Or it becomes it, – it doesn't make, I don't lose interest. It becomes sterile. It becomes too – I can see my hand in it too much that I don't find it as interesting as, like, the kind of practice or the test. So a lot of my works are, like, test.
1: Does that mean that you're going to, at some point, give up on the Sienna Or not give up, but just stop doing them because they're going to be too scientific for you?
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I'm... I'm thinking of different ways to do it. And then also the fact that like a lot of people have done cyanotype. I feel like last year it was hard to get cyanotype like chemicals because a lot of people are making it because it's so accessible mm. and um, you can do it at home. Whereas like most processes, you, can, you need a dark room for it. So I just hadn't seen a lot of, or at least I hadn't seen anyone do body prints. And like at the skill that I was doing it at. So I, I found that interesting and I found like I was already lying around doing nothing. Might as well lie around <laughs> outside and do nothing for a, for, um, for a moment and then see what happens. And yeah, and once I kind of have a new idea or something that like I can focus on, I'll probably move on.
1: Yeah. because I,
0: I... Because then I know that I can do it.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Suddenly the, uh, it's like that, uh, what's the, what's the term? Uh, you know, like, uh, what's the dog going to do with the car after he catches it? You know, like it's kind of the thrill of the chase. Yeah. And it's like when you can do it or when you get there, it's like, cool. Now what? So it's always figuring exactly. out, you think for you trying to push through or if, it, do you just completely stop everything and say, what's something entirely new that I could try here?
0: Yeah. And I think it's like when I get to a point where either some idea becomes more interesting or I don't know where to go from there. But I always find that like I kind of go back or like my work always has a connection somehow that I don't know or see at that moment. So like, for example, with the cyanotype, once I make the cyanotype, I take it into a studio and I photograph myself with it because I know that that's going to be challenging. Like yeah. to actually like, put myself in that position without, with the least amount of editing, like, post-editing as possible. That's, like, the challenge that I've set myself. And I like to play around with cameras, and I love to, like, play with images. And so once it becomes less of a play, and it becomes, like, oh, I'm just, like, I'm actually trying to uh, reproduce multiple things, then it becomes less interesting to
1: me. Oh Melanie again with the deep thoughts there this is uh this has been a conversation that I have I has lived up to my excitement for sure uh, I want to say thank you you know now we are we're at the end of our time here I gotta say thank you so much for for coming on and and being open and being honest about uh, all these things and and you know, sometimes we don't know the answers in photography, but we all have to kind of figure it out ourselves. And uh, again, I just really appreciate your take on it. Before I let you go, can you let listeners know where they can find out more about you and see some of your images? Uh, like, where's the best place to do that online?
0: Um, So I have a website that my f- amazing friends created for me. It's currently like a... Um, so it's kind of a hole in place, but you can see a lot of my work through there. So it's melanieisaka.com. And then my Instagram, um, which is melonie, which is M-E-L-O underscore O-N-N-Y. Um, and then um, I also have work at, the, at Versace at the moment. So it's um, London Grad Now, which... Yeah, which will be on till January, which will be on till January. So that's like the Saatchi in London. So if you're in London, please go and see it and see everyone else's work, which is amazing. Um, yeah.
1: I really hope that you enjoyed today's interview. I have three big takeaways. The first one was the power of constraints. You know, Melanie found found that placing constraints on her photography helped to enhance her creativity and storytelling abilities. So for her, by exploring these non-traditional methods such as cyanotypes, she challenged herself to think beyond a traditional self-portrait. And that, in turn, expanded her artistic toolkit as well. You know, what kind of limitations can you put on your photography to, you know, uh, have these unexpected discoveries uh, and introduce just an element of serendipity into your work? I would love to know. Takeaway number two is that Melanie is right at the intersection of art and technology. You know, she talked about uh, the evolving nature of photography from its origins as, you know, a flexible and emotionally driven art form to, you know, being transitioned into a more scientific, a more technical practice. You know, one that is focused on precise measurements uh, and exposure times. She talked about the the balance between scientific precision and the serendipity of happy accidents. And when you're there, it's those magical moments when everything seems to fall into place. Just creating a truly captivating image. Really something. Lastly, the power of personal projects. She obviously, you know, has done a number of personal projects. And why they're so important to her, they're everything, you know. It's For her, dedicating the time to explore her own ideas and passions unlocked a new level of of meaning and creativity in her work. And I guess that begs the question, will you dedicate time to explore your own ideas and passions in photography this week? Remember, photography is a journey of self-discovery. Your photos are a reflection of your inner world. So explore your emotions and thoughts through the lens. Until next week, remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving a review in iTunes. Keep shooting, and we'll see you next week.